energy girl, can you help me? I don't understand this paper. Can you help me? Can you help me? Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Energy Girl, a podcast where we unpack research papers and industry reports to make the field of energy and sustainability more accessible. My name is Audrey, and I'm an electrical engineer in the cleantech industry. I am again joined by the original boba tea enthusiast, Janine. Hello, Janine. What's up, girl? How are you? I'm okay. I'm all right. I got to tell you, though, um, I did almost choke on a piece of boba the other day. I saw my life flash before my eyes. That's my greatest fear. (laughs) It wasn't true boba. It was one of those like stupid little jelly prisms that they put on the bottom. Like you can get like lychee jelly or whatever, like passion fruit. I was feeling a little fancy. I was feeling like tapioca, been there, done that. Let's branch out. Never again. Yeah. Well, how are you doing? I'm good. My brain is just scrambled eggs after the long weekend. I don't know where I am or who I am. Um, Wonderful. I feel like you you wrote an article or something (laughs) (laughs) that you're not wanting to promote, but I'm going to force it out of you. Well, I didn't know how to do a segue, but you did it. Yes. I did write an article and I posted it a long time ago. Well, by a long time ago, I mean like three weeks ago on my blog, energygirlblog.com. This is a message from Audrey of the future because Audrey of the past forgot to say the title of the article, which is Navigating Contemporary Woman in Engineering Hood. It's all about how being an engineer and being in a male-dominated field has shaped my understanding of womanhood. So check it out. The Society of Women Engineers recently published it on their blog, which is altogether.swe.org, if you want to go take a look at it. So I'm feeling very happy about that. It's getting really good engagement on LinkedIn, which is my favorite social media platform. Nerd. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So I'm I'm very happy about that. and it, it's a very personal piece. I'm feeling very vulnerable, but it feels good to like get all my feelings out. And I didn't realize how cathartic it was going to be because I feel like the process of writing it, I really unpacked like all this shit that was happening to me in undergrad. Yeah. So yeah, to have other women engineers be like, oh, hey, this is interesting and valuable to me. It's like, oh, that's very, very validating. <laughs> well, as a woman, I'm very happy whenever women speak out, you know, about their experiences and things, because it's important. The more people share, the more important it becomes, you know? Yeah. So thank you for doing that. And I'm glad that it's getting so much engagement. You're so welcome. Oh my God, you're Woo-hoo. so welcome. <laughs> Has never been in an engineering classroom ever, but is benefiting from people being better people in engineering classrooms. Thank you very much on behalf of <laughs> women <laughs> the monolith <laughs> um though i am gonna brag and it's not a humble brag it's an actual brag because the basically like the ceo of my company in the u.s liked my post on linkedin which made me feel so validated because she is my idol my icon my everything um if she hears this she's gonna think i'm fangirling too hard so that's going to be unfortunate. But anyway, um, that made me feel really that's good awesome. because, yeah, yeah. And she was kind of the one who 
motivated me to finally start the blog because she gave this whole webinar about, um, well, one of the things that she said was the really low hanging fruit to improving diversity and inclusion is to tell women's stories more and just to make women like normal, <laughs> you know, like we have to what get a used concept. To, like we have to get used to seeing women in engineering, seeing women in the office. Um, so I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to start doing the blog. I'm going to start doing the podcast just to put myself out there and maybe, maybe it'll make a difference. Who knows? But I like that she liked it. So that made me feel good. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, that's what's up with me. But today we are reading a, a great selection from the spring 2019 Scott Madden Energy Industry Update. <laughs> I I kept thinking Steve Madden. So whenever I saw Scott Madden Energy Industry, I was like, wow, they're branching out. <laughs> Shoes and energy. That's amazing. Go energy. them. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Madden is a consulting firm, and their main business is to help customers with things like strategic planning. Um, but in addition to that, they post these wonderful, fabulous reports twice a year where they compile all the latest and greatest data on the hottest trends in energy. <laughs> so it's pretty good. I love to refer to their stuff. And actually that, that uh, article that I wrote that we covered in episode one, if you go to the references, you'll see I, I referenced Scott Madden a few times, I think. <laughs> so they're great. Mm -hmm. um, and actually I have met them. I had a, like a big meeting and presentation with them and they're all lovely. So if you're listening to this, let's be friends. Anyway, so the selection that we are reading is titled Smart Cities, colon, How Utilities Can Shape the City of the Future. So Janine, how are you feeling about this? All right. Um, smart. You're feeling smart? Okay, no. Um, <laughs> not right now. I will, maybe, by the end of this. But, um, so smart cities, what makes a city smart? What is that? The people, the ideas. <laughs> Maybe no. the smart city was all the friends we made along the way. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. That's true. Is it just like data or what? Like, what's going it has, on? Yeah, it has a lot to do with data. All those big buzzwords that we like, like big data, machine Ooh, learning, they're all connected. Spooky. Yeah. Mm -mm. So let's unpack smart first. Mm -hmm. At its highest level, smart really means using data to make intelligent decisions. Mm. So like people are crazy about data and how much data that we're collecting every day, everything that's on the internet, but data for data's sake is kind of useless. There's just an infinite amount of data that it doesn't really mm -hmm. mean anything until you apply the proper analysis to it and then you can like extract trends. So like all of your internet browsing history in your entire God. life, <laughs> it's not exactly useful just as it is because you've been searching the internet for years and years and years. It better but, not be. Well, until oh, someone no. analyzes it and then they can figure out what's your behavior, what things you want to buy, and then those become intelligent like advertising decisions. Like cookies or whatever. Oh, oh, you mean like, <laughs> you mean on the browser? <laughs> Those kinds of yes, I buy cookies online, but also they track me, correct? <laughs> but I thought you were saying, oh my God. You're not wrong. <laughs> oh gosh. 
I'm going to say yes, though. Don't tell anyone. I don't really know what cookies are. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, you put them in the oven, and then you eat them. I wouldn't know. I'm so skinny. Uh, <laughs> anyways, anyways, science. Yeah. So that's what smart okay. kind of means. Using that data to make intelligent decisions. Intelligent gotcha. being like evidence based. All that data. So you can kind of like predict something, or you can like make improvements where people are showing they want improvements, or yeah, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, that's the whole point is like the more data you have, the better, we like to say the better visibility you have over whatever system you're analyzing. And when you can see everything really clearly, then you know exactly where you can make improvements, exactly where your gaps are. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, exactly that. So it's not just used to make really, really niche decisions about which ads I should see online. That's just one application. Okay. (laughs) It can also be used for other stuff cool okay yeah so that yeah that's just smart in general but for smart cities uh scott madden gives us a great um explanation they have four basic building blocks Mm -hmm. so the first is going to be our basic infrastructure um these are going to be the things that you're going to want to monitor so instead of like janine's browsing history it's those sexy sexy power lines or (laughs) are you cat calling the power lines i need to do some personal reflection that's not okay Anyway, yeah, so the, our basic infrastructure, that can be the power lines, but since we're talking about a city, our city isn't mm-hmm. just like electrical infrastructure, this could also be sewage lines, or maybe it's the roads, or our public transit system. Right. So that's the, the first basic thing, is what are the things that we want to have visibility over? Mm-hmm. The second part is you need a communications network. So this can be a network of radios that are connected. It can be um, fiber optic cables or Wi-Fi or the infamous 5G network that everyone's bah, terrified bah, bah, bah. of. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, you need a communications network to be the vehicle to transmit data. Right. Because if you don't have a, a network that's really fast and robust, you can't get all that data you need in real time. It's the data highway. It is a data highway, yeah. So then third, you need sensors. So this is really any device that collects data on your infrastructure. So if we take the power lines, for example, we would put sensors on the lines or the transformers to measure things like voltage and current. Okay, good. All right. All right. So sensors. All right. Yeah. So infrastructure, then we have our communications network, then we have the sensors Mm -hmm. that are collecting the data And they send that data across the communications network to some centralized place where you have the fourth and final layer of analytics software. So as we were saying before, analytics software is the thing that's going to analyze your data, taking all of that infinite data and turning it into trends and really getting what we like to say actionable intelligence out of it. Hmm. Um, So this is where things like the very scary words machine learning come into play. Machine learning is a kind of analytic software that you can apply to um, get really accurate intelligence out of the data that you're analyzing. Uh So yeah, so let's, let's look at that framework under with an example, just to make sure we're Mm. all on the same page. Um, So remember episode one, we talked about transformers. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and I shared the little factoid that the average age for a transformer is 40 years. Um, They're mature. They are mature. They're quite old. Um, But something that lasts 40 years, it's a really durable piece of equipment, which is good. Um, And it can last a really long time. But the tricky thing about transformers is like they don't give a lot of warning when they're about to die. And their version of dying isn't just like powering down. When a transformer dies, it like explodes, basically. Yeah. So like that's kind of problematic if something is trucking along for like 40, 50 years, no problem, and then suddenly explodes. Um, <laughs> so if your transformer is your basic infrastructure, then you'd want to attach some sensors. These can be heat sensors or they're also things, uh, sensors that measure the different gases that are coming off the transformer. Um, mm. And then those will send the data back to whatever headquarters for the utility. Um, and then all of that historic data over the transformer's lifetime can be analyzed and the analytic software will, f- will figure out when you might need to replace it or when it needs maintenance. Okay. I have, a transformer. I have a transformer right outside my window, like literally right outside my window. It is right there. Oh, so that that's a, like a little bit smaller. Um, Will it? Ex- I mean, it could. Yeah, gonna I get hit. Yeah, whenever those little ones explode, it's not too big a deal. I'm thinking of giant power transformers. Oh man, that like at the substations or whatever. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, the one that's gonna like fill a room. Like that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, that could be an issue. Yeah, I love that you know the word substation. Okay, well, interesting, because uh, I grew up very close to one. Um, yeah, I did. And uh, whenever we went out to a specific fast food restaurant that will not be mentioned, um, we, it was right next to the substation. And it was like, what the heck is that? It looks like a jungle gym, except it's really not. Uh, and there's fences <laughs> all over the place. And it looks insane. And it is insane. You know, I'm I'm like, it Loki. It made like a really freaky noise one time, and I was super afraid of that area for like years. Um, but then it didn't like do anything weird. So okay, so there's a transformer in that thing. Okay. Yeah. There's like a big one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Substations. Yeah. You know what that I mean, is. Should we explain substations. Maybe not right now, but maybe we should. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a it's like a big big transformer right so like you're going into residential commercial areas you've got all these transmission lines correct and they're all going to the substation and they need to go to like it's like a little subway station where all the little subway cars go to the little more like uh specified boroughs or whatever you know so like one goes to my neighborhood and then eventually the energy will go into my house right since when are you an expert? I did not know this until quite okay. recently. <laughs> what? Okay, I didn't realize I had this information in my head in the back of there, but I, I guess I do. Yeah. Oh no, like I, I think I went on a Wikipedia rabbit hole one night because I was so freaked out by the noise that it made one time. Yeah. No, it went. <laughs> it went. Oh and then it stopped and then it was like, oh, geez. Okay. And we were in the line for the Chick-fil-A. Oops. Uh, um, and Do you still oh, eat there? That's the real um, question. It's okay if you um, 
if you have a homosexual experience within 48 hours, you're allowed to eat at Chick-fil-A. It's like going to confession. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Anyway. Yeah, so, so, okay. So smart cities, you've got like the four components. So, yeah. Oh, wait, you interrupted me. I did. So we can put all these sensors on the transformer and they're sending data back to uh, headquarters, I'll call it. Um, and they're able to keep all of that historic data and in real time um, and analyze it and figure out exactly when you might need to send someone out there to do some maintenance or to replace mm-hmm. it. And this is the concept of predictive maintenance that we mentioned last episode, um, mm-hmm. which, which is a real struggle for uh, the hydrokinetic hydrokinetic energy conversion <laughs> technologies. That is a mouthful. Um, yep. I just yeah. call it Wind's dumpy sister, just for shortness. And I think I really that's hope I'm just not, as accurate. I'm, I really hope I'm not pissing off a lot of hydrokinetic researchers by saying that, but, it, you know. You can take them. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, if you've got the wind people on your side, I wouldn't worry about it. They can take anyone. Okay, tell me this. Do you guys have, like, rivalries between the the fucking renewable energy people? So is it, like, wind versus solar? Do you guys play, like, dodgeball or something? Just get out of your system? Uh, Yeah, there is a dodgeball league that we all participate in. We're all, like, card-carrying members. Right, Um, I assumed. Yeah. But no, there actually is like drama between wind and solar. Um, oh my God. Because solar is like the favorite child of, <gasps> of like the government and they get all, it, it's uh, it just with, with policy, it seems like they get preferred for a lot of things. And then wind is like, hey, wait, we need help too. <laughs> so. Yeah, remember those tax credits I talked about? Well, Who basically, was like, Solar yeah. has a better deal, and Wind was like, hey, uh, we should get the same deal. <laughs> uh-oh. Yeah. They're playing favorites. So yeah. is there, like, <laughs> you guys, like, pass each other in the halls, like the Jets and the Sharks? Yeah, I immediately mistrust anyone who talks about Solar. I'm like, mm, wow. what's your game here? <laughs> I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. Anyone in solar, be my friend, please. (laughs) Well, cool. Yeah. So yeah, so there's that. That's that's this whole smart city concept. Those you gotta have your the stuff you want to look at. You need a communications network so that you can pass all your data around, sensors that you can collect the data, and then software to analyze that data and come up with your intelligent plan for what to do with that information cool yeah how are we feeling about all that i like it okay i'm feeling pretty good i'm glad that you like it yeah i mean it's cool there's like so many different things that need to be set up in order for this stuff to work and it's like important to realize that right that it's not just one thing Mm -hmm. you can't just put a bunch of turbines out in the middle of nowhere you gotta (laughs) well i guess you could you could (laughs) (laughs) but in order to fix the whole situation there's like several different things and lots of tech that we need to develop right so there is lots of tech you know what i think it's time for a pop quiz oh god all right Mm janine what do you think 
this smart city concept that we just laid out has to do with renewable energy? Um, okay. So we've had to talk about modernizing the grid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And one of the big deals about modernizing the grid is making sure that we have the tech in order to make sure that we're utilizing all of the energy that's being produced, right? Mm -hmm. So, for instance, if we think back to the California duck curve, there is a... Hang on. Ooh, don't distract me now. Okay. There is a... Like a like a, a surplus of energy that's being produced. And in order to use all of the energy that we have access to, we're going to need to improve our grid's functionality. And in order to do that, we're going to need some, uh, you know, preventative wellness for our grid. So we're going to need some predictive maintenance. We're going to need all that stuff. Um, uh, I agree. You are saying correct things, but I think you're circling around the answer that I want. Oh, no. Okay. okay. Um, try to draw it out of you. Okay. So you're talking uh, about California duck curve. Right. Awesome. Okay. Our supply is not necessarily matching the demand. True. And the idea is that we want to implement different solutions. Maybe it's energy storage to match supply to demand, right? Right. hmm But how would you know how much supply there is or how much demand there is in real time and how would you know because you gotta sense it dang it you gotta you gotta have stuff there to collect data booyah yes this is a concept i did not even think about until about a year ago yeah i mean that just makes (laughs) if we just take that so for granted that we'd be able to measure all of this yeah but like how can you if you don't have the sensors or whatever the capability to bring that data anywhere where it needs to go Mm -hmm. oh okay so all of these like communications technologies this data analytic stuff i really consider that to be like the enabling piece for renewables Mm. how do we match all of our supply and demand stuff up because it has to match perfectly um that's a really difficult thing to do wow yeah well hey anyway i feel a little bit like a smart city myself. No. You contain multitudes. <laughs> All right. Oh Finally, we're kind of getting to what the main argument of the paper is. Because it's not mm-hmm. just called smart cities. It's called smart cities. How utilities can shape the city of the future. Mm-hmm. So Scott Mann is really focusing on what electric utilities can do to help promote this idea of a smart city. Um, and they have three specific uh, lanes. They propose three different lanes for ways that electric utilities can support smart city development. So the first proposal that Scott Madden has uh, for ways that utilities can help this smart city development is being the energy service provider. So it's pretty self-explanatory, providing any services that have to do with energy. Um, And if you remember back to episode one, when we talked about how utilities might charge you more money um, for consuming electricity during hours of peak demand. They kind of do the same thing with businesses and um, commercial and industrial customers. It's called a demand charge. And basically, they're going to charge you for the peak amount of electricity 
that they consume. So if a business like <laughs> one hour of the day consumes a ton of electricity, they're still going to get charged for that, even though they don't normally consume that amount. I might be oversimplifying. So just fair warning. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So the idea is the service that they can provide is working with those, those commercial and industrial customers to um, implement these smart systems so that uh, those businesses can kind of level out throughout the day when they're consuming electricity so that it's more average throughout the day and that they don't have any sharp peaks. Because those mm. sharp peaks in your demand are when you get charged more. But then these smart systems can allow you to be more uh, clever with your energy use. All right. So the second thing they can do is being a non-energy solutions enabler. So mm -hmm. that's a little less clear. <laughs> um, but it means they're using their expertise and resources to help other businesses that aren't necessarily doing energy-related things. Mm. So there's one really cool example um, called of gunshot detection devices. So it's basically like um, a business that puts up like literally like microphones around the city. Um, and if they hear gunshots that they can pinpoint where that happened and like send police or something to that location. Wow. Yeah. The issue is where are you going to put those microphones and all <laughs> the sensors that you need? Yeah. Utilities can be, a non-energy solutions enabler because they have all of those poles that are holding up their distribution lines. Um, right. And yeah, and then this, maybe this gunshot detection device provider can just put their devices on those poles um, and they can partner on that. Mm -hmm. And then the third type is the non-energy solutions provider, which means that the utility can basically expand what it does to do things that aren't energy related. So, for example, remember how the utility has a really robust communications network? Mm -hmm. And they usually just use that for things like sending information about, you know, voltages and currents across the system. But since they already have all of this amazing, maybe it's a fiber optic network, they could instead say, hey, let's use this and give people TV service or like phone service because we have this anyway. So it's kind of a, a second revenue stream for them. Cool. Yeah. Uh, thoughts, feelings, reflections? I mean, it's just, again, it's so interesting to me how we just assume that these things are being measured. Like, of course, <laughs> you know, like it didn't even occur to me before really diving into this that that's a problem that we would need to address before we do like any sort of wide implementation, right? So, everybody wants a very, very quick solution for these problems, but it's just not realistic that these things could be solved in one night, you know, unless we all decided to drop what we were doing and become PhDs and creating sensors, which I don't recommend. I don't think that's a good plan. So, <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's just cool how collaborative the, the thing is, yeah. you know, I was actually going to kind of nitpick at your statement there that, no, we all don't need to become PhDs making sensors. There are sensors already. I think the more interesting problem, and that's kind of why this is the profession I'm getting into, mm -hmm. is we have all these amazing technologies. How do we kind of puzzle piece them together right. to, to get them to, to work together? Because 
there's a lot we can do with what we already have. You know, we're not just waiting for some, like the Messiah of clean technology to suddenly be created. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like we have yeah. the tools at our disposal. That's not to say we shouldn't keep developing better ones, but. Right. We but you got to work with what you have. Yeah. And you have to get creative with what you have. And that's what I think is really cool about smart cities. It's like. Yeah. How do we get these awesome. things and these businesses that already exist and get them to work together to I just, be smarter, to be more <laughs> optimal? Right. Hey, Janine. Hey, Audrey. This is going to be my little ASMR moment. I think it's time for an art break. Audrey, I think you're right. <laughs> Great. Please educate us on an interesting fact or story or concept from music history. Oh, God. Okay. Um, So I am working currently on getting ready to do kind of the crazy thing that we are now having to do in our new normal, to use the advertisement-friendly term. These tough times, these challenging, unpredictable times that we find ourselves in. Okay. Okay. Um, Anyways. So I'm doing this, uh, this program um, called the Collaborative Piano Institute. And it's funny that we're talking about collaboration so much today because that's the entire focus of this institute. Um, and it's about uh, the relationship between singers and pianists. And if you have ever been to a recital, which I know you have, um, because you went to mine, hee <laughs> hee, um, <laughs> you will know that pretty much every time a singer goes up to sing classical music, they're doing it with someone else. It's not just a, you know, solo show or whatever. You know, you're not accompanying yourself most of the time unless you're really cool. So, um, yeah. So I, I've worked over the years with like many, many, many fantastic pianists um, who are fantastic um, musicians and collaborators. And I'm really interested in learning more about that. So that's why I've signed up for it. Anyways. So right now we're in the process of recording things for our lessons and masterclasses. And what this has kind of, this disappointing time, this challenging time has forced us to do is to really become video editors. Um, And so there is a part of, let's say, opera, um, that is really hard to do when you're not in the same room with someone. And it's about 25% of most operas you go and see. It's called recitativo. <laughs> it is a Italian word um, for speaking. Uh, that is not right. We're going to circle back to that. It, um, it's Italian for something. Um, so in, in any case, <laughs> uh, the, the recit section of an opera is what, puts the plot in motion arias are generally speaking moments where the characters have insane emotions and they want to express them but maybe the plot is not very much expressed so this is the part of the opera where people go i'm going to hide in the closet so the count doesn't see me and then they start singing about how they're afraid they're going to get found out by the count or whatever yeah or i'm going to jump out the window so the count doesn't see me and then he jumps out the window and survives by the way we're talking about carabino um <laughs> les notes de figaro mozart generally speaking has a lot of recit so here's the deal with recit 
is that it's really freaking hard to do when you're the only one in the room because it relies on the piano putting down like a, a chord and then the singer just goes out and it sounds like Eminem. It sounds like rap. It's insane. Like some of these really quick recits are like, you're trying to get out as much as the plot as humanly possible in, you know, 16 bars or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and it's really, really hard to do this with timing with piano. And I am learning this the hard way as I'm now trying to record over essentially a karaoke track of piano. Uh-huh. So <laughs> it this literally is so... sounds like you're trying to have dialogue without like being with the other person. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like having a one, one-sided conversation where you are, you have a recording of somebody else with the answers and you're trying to ask no. the right questions. It is awful and it is not the way that this is supposed to be done but it is the new normal so there you go here's a little bit of a a class on recit um it is generally speaking um the least favorite thing of opera singers to learn but it also i think when done correctly can be freaking awesome and spectacular Mm -hmm. so there you go. There's a little bit of a collaboration in music. I very much miss being in the same room as pianists. Um, th- this just ain't the same. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds like the things you're learning are very different than what you expected to be learning. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like literally it's opera karaoke. It's so <laughs> difficult, you know, and I think I, I'm glad that I'm doing this program because I know I will get better at it. And if this is the new normal, then I guess I got to learn. But, you know, oh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Well, you are going to learn. You're going to be better and amazing and improve and you're going to grow. And it's going to be good. Thank you. Here's hoping. <laughs> I'm sure you will. <laughs> Thanks. Yes. <clears throat> Second question. What art have you been consuming lately that is inspiring you? Oh, man. Okay. So in these difficult times, no, God, I can't say that. Um, yeah, please don't say that. I'm going to hang up. That's the end of our show. Good. Goodbye. That's all, folks. <laughs> I have been doing a ridiculous amount of movie watching, but not just any movie. I have been having a Miyazaki film fest. Uh, yes! And Audrey, yes, she, I think understands as well studio ghibli which is the way it's pronounced um so anyways uh so studio ghibli movies um if you haven't seen them yet which if you haven't i'm so jealous of you because i wish i could watch them all again for the first time um oh yeah but like they're it's pretty much like one of the best storytellers of our era Mm -hmm. mixed with one of the coolest art forms of our era Mm -hmm. and fantastic music yeah and fantastic voice acting mm-hmm. um so i've been burning my way through all of these ghibli movies um i was just like just kind of blown away at the amount of different things you can find in each rewatching. like it's insane like if you focus on okay this time i'm gonna focus on the backgrounds or this time I'm going to focus on mm. the small, seemingly stupid mundane movements that these characters are animated to do, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's so insane. 
It's so cool. And I, you know, full disclosure, fully, fully nostalgic glasses for me because I grew up watching these movies and I associate them very much with my own childhood. So, Mm -hmm. which one is your fave? Oh my God. That's like picking a child. You got to do it though. Oh God. Okay. Um, Okay. So objectively, I know this one is not the best one because it's pretty much always going to be Spirited Away. That movie is just perfect on every level. Like, you can't beat Spirited Away. Um, That's fair. Mononoke came, comes very, very, very close to Spirited Away. That's, like, second best. That. But my personal favorite is a tie. Between I know, all I of can't, them. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a tie between two. I really, really thought about it. And I've got to say, my personal favorite is a tie between Kiki's Delivery Service and Porco Rosso. And I, I know that seems strange. That, what? But Porco I feel... Rosso. Porco Rosso. You cannot tell me that that movie doesn't slap. I don't even remember it because I didn't care that much. I haven't rewatched that one. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Okay. okay, I'm a plain nerd also. I will just be very forthcoming with this. I think that Hayao Miyazaki gave me my plane nerddom. Like, I will freak out over planes at the airport. I will do that. I will try to find an Airbus A380, and I will sit next to the terminal wherever it is, even if I have to walk 45 minutes to get there. Because I think they're cool. When I first saw The Wind Rises, which, again, for those who don't know, um, it's basically following an aeronautical engineer, and he's designing airplanes. I liked that one. The next week, I literally went to my (laughs) academic advisor. I'm like, I want to be an aeronautical engineer. How do I do that? (laughs) <laughs> that's the power like, he's like no you don't stop <laughs> well there's something so freaking awesome about watching someone make art about something they're obsessed about sure and that they really love and i think that hayao miyazaki and planes is like the never-ending mm-hmm. love story it's yeah. a freaking like affair hayao miyazaki and planes yeah. better story than than twilight yeah and that's um, the funny thing about the wind rises is because for a while, I loved it because I'm like, oh, the tragic love story because his wife like dies or whatever. Sorry, spoilers, I guess. Jeez. But that's not even the compelling romance there. The compelling romance is this engineer with his airplanes. <laughs> like, yeah, that's literally the romance. <laughs> and like, how cool is that? And Kiki's delivery service is all about people who pursue their passions but have burnout. Yeah. Oh, that's you know? so real. Yeah, it's Gosh. so freaking real. Um, another one that I would really recommend. It goes up high on my list, but it's not quite my favorite, is Whisper of the Heart. And it's a really obscure one that no one has heard of, but it's actually the prequel to The Cat Returns. So if you've seen that, then I believe that you will really like that one. So yeah. Okay. It's another one about creativity. What is your favorite? I'm so amazed that this whole time you've listed like six different movies and you haven't said my fave. Howl's Moving Castle. Gosh. <laughs> oh, I skated to that when I was a, when I was an ice skater. That was yeah. like my fade. Oh, it was so good. It's I a great cannot, movie. I cannot get over that movie. Yeah, all the things you were talking about before with the beauty of everything, the music, the the art, the characters, and everything. Plus, mm-hmm. I'm just so in love with with Hal and with Sophie, and I'm like, I want to be both of them, and also I want to be in love with both. <laughs> It does be that way. No. I think every girl who is attracted to hell is on some level 
a little bi. A little queer, yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's been true for me. And true this, for everyone. <laughs> I've met. No. And this episode is my coming out. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's the only reason why I can enjoy Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah. Because I found Owl attractive in fifth grade. <laughs> God, <laughs> we're definitely <laughs> keeping that in, not cutting Oh, God! That. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, my gosh. All right. Thank you for the art, Jenny, and I enjoyed that. Yeah. Time to go back to the energy. What do you think is the main takeaway for our listeners? I think that the big takeaway is this stuff takes way more than just engineers. Uh, it That's takes point. like so many different aspects of the whole process, you know, in order to make it run efficiently and dependably. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, there's just a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, definitely agree. So for me, the first takeaway is like the surface level one, which is I want people to see how important data is when it comes to data and communications technology and software is to clean energy. Cause I think that connection is not so obvious um, yeah. if you're not very familiar with the field. But second is to your point, I wanted to talk about um, how when we get these technologies together, it's almost like they become greater than the sum of their parts. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, thinking about the smart city, once we get all those different stakeholders together, like the electric utilities, the city planners, um, public transportation departments, and once they partner with each other, really start working together to optimally use their strengths and weaknesses and the resources that they already have, then you can simultaneously create communities that are more sustainable, efficient, and safe all at the same time all while doing that at a lower total cost than if each of those players trying to accomplish their own goals individually on their own. It feels like a big orchestra to me. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. All right. Our last segment, the energy moment. So Janine, how have you been thinking about or using energy lately? Well, Um, I have been traveling a lot over this last weekend. I want to add another small shout out to a very important scientist in my life. Um, My grandfather, Dr. Lowell Dwarren, is actually a double doctorate, or he was, (laughs) rather. Um, He had a doctorate in physics and in algebra, and he spent a lot of his energy especially in his later years, <laughs> explaining math problems to me. <laughs> and I'm very grateful for that. And um, yeah, I've been, you know, I think that whenever somebody important to you goes away, <laughs> um, you know, it's important to remember all the cool stuff that they did. And, you know, I've been expending a bit of energy with my family getting to do that so (laughs) it's emotional energy it might not be electrical but yeah you know um it's awesome and I'm I'm very glad to have had uh uh somebody like that in my life so there you go there's some energy shout out Dr. Lowell Warren the realist (laughs) the realist (laughs) 
rest in peace. Thank you for driving me through Chick-fil-A all those years. Oh. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, the human energy that we're using, like, what's the point of all the energy industry stuff? It's to support the life that's actually going on, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's the whole point of all this. Absolutely. Yeah. So, for me, my answer is abstract and kind of woo-woo because I'm just – that's who I am, I guess. Um. But in addition to clean energy, I'm really passionate about feminism and diversity and inclusion. And I do a lot with DNI in my company. And um, lately, I've been thinking about and wondering whether there's a way to kind of connect those two parts of myself, this part that's interested in clean energy and in like gender equality, and how I can use one to feed the other. Um, and I don't really know the answer yet, but I'm, I've been thinking about that a lot and thinking about how clean energy can be used to make society more equitable or vice versa, how minority communities can uh, facilitate and lead the clean energy transition. So that's been on my mind a lot, something that I intend to explore more either on this podcast or on my blog, energygirlblog.com. So there's that. Fantastic. That's wonderful. Oh, I'm glad that I'm glad that there are people who are uh, who are really thinking about that because it is important, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's all for today. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Energy Girl, a podcast where we break down research papers and industry reports to make the field of energy and sustainability more accessible. Please feel free to reach out by tweeting at me, Audrey Wong Goslin. That's at a w a n g g o s s e l i n. Or by sending me an email through my website for the third time, energygirlblog.com. <laughs> Thank you to Janine for her help creating this podcast. You can follow her on Instagram at JA9Doodles. That's Janine Doodles. Thanks again for listening. This has been the Energy Girl. Check this out. So tell me if you know what this is. Okay. Um, yeah hell yeah baby i have a goddamn tiger yeah that's what it's called i had a tiger yeah